A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Will Lawrenson. It's definitely higher production value than my podcast, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually low production value in the sense that we don't have it pre-recorded. We don't have the effects. It's just <laughs> yeah. me and my voice and the silly song. But that's how we start every episode Absolutely delighted to have you here. Uh, you're listening to Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard, and I'm with Will Lawrenson, and we're going to start off with the brand search, which is our speciality. And here I search for Will Lawrenson on Google in the UK. You're in the UK, if I understand correctly. Yep. And you come out right on top with LinkedIn. There's no personal site, but there is customers who click result number three. And what I did like is people also search for, when I click on your LinkedIn result and come back, it presents me with your podcast. That means Google's understood your podcast in relation to you, which is beautiful. Excellent. Well, like and for anybody who's interested in this kind of thing, brand SERPs and knowledge panels, join our knowledge panel support group on Facebook, please. So I then looked at customers who click, which is your podcast, and that's a beautiful result with lots of little icons that we tend to see on mobile and are now seeing on desktop. What do you think of the little icons that we can see there next to the name of the company? I, uh, any company or just mine? Well, um, all of I, them. I mean, we, we've got Apple. We've got customers who click. I love your little icon. That's brilliant, the little, the little finger. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I really like them. I think, it, I mean, it makes the search results look a bit more interesting, but also you can just scan it, right? And you can suddenly see Facebook there. So yeah. I know I know when I, I quite often search for a company, but I'm actually looking for their Instagram page or their Facebook page because that's what I want to go check for whatever right. reason. So if I just see those icons there, my eyes immediately drawn to it, click it, done. You don't have to read through each one to work out which link I actually want to click. Wow, I look at this all day long, every day, and I didn't think of that. And the fact that you've got Apple, Facebook, Spotify, and Twitter alongside your website and those icons immediately, I can understand as, a, as your audience that you're associated with these huge brands. That's impressive. Yeah, I definitely need to work on my Facebook and Twitter profiles, though. <laughs> Yeah, um, but but from a, a, a branding and marketing perspective, I now realize how right you are there. My immediate impression here is those are big brands, I'm impressed. And if I wanted to go to Facebook or Spotify or Twitter to engage with you, it really is very, very simple. Whereas without them, I would actually have to read. And we're all very lazy and we don't read. We look at images. Well, I mean, look at... And obviously, you've got Spotify and Twitter specifically mentioned um, there. Yeah. But otherwise, you've got customers who click MVF homepage, customers who click Will Lawrence, and customers who click, customers who click, customers who click. <laughs> Without the icons there, you've got to look at the small text to work out which one you, you actually want to be clicking. Yeah, and in the context of brand SERPs, because we're looking for a brand, it's incredibly repetitive and difficult to navigate for a human being. Yeah. Oh, you've just taught me something wonderful, Will, and I'd never thought of it like that. Uh, I do love it when people come on the show and teach me stuff about brand SERPs that I hadn't thought of before. Well, it's, it's, it's what I do every day with websites, right? It's trying to make information stand out. Um, in fact, I, I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit, but on product pages, a lot of the time I will use icons instead of bullet points. Ooh, 
that's brilliant. Oh, sorry. Yes, we will get into that. And I'm, I'm suddenly incredibly interested because that idea of I come to your website from Google, I'm changing from one environment to another. I need to feel at ease and understand immediately. And text doesn't do that, does it? I mean, t text is really important. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen them, but on LinkedIn, um, we felt like we went through a little phase of this. People sharing images of websites where they've removed all the text to right. make the point about how important copy is. Because when you remove all the text, these websites are meaningless, right? And vice versa, I'll bet. Uh, well, no, you remove all the design and you've still got an explanation of what everything is and what everything does on the website. It doesn't, it looks awful. Yeah. It looks you know, plain text. Um, but you, you're going to have a significantly higher conversion rate with the text only site versus a uh, image, image and HTML only site. Right. Which is, which is pretty huge. I mean, I come from the world of 1998 when um, it was very text-heavy text. and very <laughs> static. And we get loads of sites now with the moving images and videos. And uh, it, it, are we looking at bloat here? Uh, yes and no. Majority of the time, yes. So majority mm. of the time, these images, these videos and everything offer nothing to the customer experience. They are... I don't want to sound too critical. I always do this, especially with brand. Um, they, they, they always come across as like brand, kind of brand material, brand creative. Um, they're there to look good, to make the website look good. But as a, as a customer, if you land on a website and you see, you know, you, you get websites, right, where the, the entire thing you see, you see like the, the navigation mm. on top and then it's just one massive image. Yep. If that image doesn't have anything on it to grab your attention and make you take an action, it's pointless. Right. right? And the best way of identifying this would be get Hotjar installed on your website, Hotjar or Microsoft Clarity, Lucky Orange, Mouseflow. Um, let that run for a little bit and then look at the heat maps for your homepage and see how many people click on the, the call to action, which should be on that hero image, versus how many people click on your navigation navigation options, search, things like that. Mm, it's right. Majority of websites, it's a tiny amount of people click on the uh, the banners, the, the hero images. Right, yeah. I mean, we, we installed Microsoft Clarity because we had uh, Ravi Yada from Microsoft Clarity on the, the podcast. Oh, nice. And the first thing that happened to us was that we looked at the heat map and we looked at the dead clicks and we looked at the bounce rate, and we realized a few things. Number one is that people just look at the top of the page, and if it isn't clear at the top of, top of the page what's going to come next, they bounce. And people dead click, which means they click, but on a word that doesn't actually have a link. And it isn't yeah. that they're foolish. It's that sometimes people select what they're reading. And what we then did is extracted that as quotes, pull quotes. And that worked yeah. incredibly well. We realized that people were looking at specific pieces of text that made real sense to them. Microsoft Clarity is amazing, and it's free. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, the one thing it doesn't do is, as far as I'm aware, unless they've changed this, is the on-site surveys and things. So you can't ask people questions, yeah. which you can do with some of the other tools. But um, I don't believe there are any limitations with Clarity. Like traffic no, limitations. I, I was saying to, 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 so. to Ravi, 
why are you giving it away? And there must be a limitation. He was saying, well, no, we missed the boat for analytics. So we're using Microsoft Clarity to catch up with Google on that. And the, the fact that we use it on Microsoft Bing, that's billions of searches every day. So your little website doesn't make any difference to us in terms of, of volume. So what do we care? It's free. And there are no limitations. Yeah, fair enough. I like Ravi, and I, I, I like Microsoft Clarity. So uh, before we carry on building the 100% perfect website, I'm just going to present the sponsor or the partner, the CaliCube Tuesdays and the branded search and beyond with Jason Barnard is produced in partnership with WordLift, the artificial intelligence you need to drive traffic to your website, and with CaliCube, my company, and we can get you your knowledge panel with a done-for-you service by CaliCube with Elisa and the CaliCube Pro team. Elisa is absolutely amazing. It isn't a question of if she can get you a knowledge panel, it's a question of how long does it take. You are listening to Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. Now, onto the website. The perfect website, I always think when I build it, I've built the perfect website because I like it. And I'm sure that's totally foolish. Uh, I mean, uh, at least you like it, which is good. I build a website <laughs> and I know that I don't like it because I know that I'm I, I'm not a designer. I'm really, really not a designer. So when I put creative stuff together, um, it, it looks amazing in here. It just does not. I cannot translate it to to screen. Um, right. But yes, which, a, which a is big... a little bit like composing uh, an opera. Is that it sounds really good in here when you wake up in the morning, you think I've just composed the best opera in the entire universe, but you don't have the musical talent to put it down on paper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just would just don't know where to begin. Um, but yeah, so the perfect website, obviously, well, perfect website doesn't exist. Mm. Um, there's always, but unless you manage to set up dynamic personalizations for every mm. single person, taking into account various pieces of data for each person, you won't be able to create the perfect website. Um, what you can do is create a website that is going to appeal to as many people as possible who land on it um, and, and convert them. And there, there are different ways of doing it. You can obviously use landing pages and things which do allow you to tailor to certain audiences. But when it comes to just um, the standard website, um, the most important thing is answering people's questions. Right. If someone... right. And, and to what extent do personas help with that? Is, personas is something I've always kind of resisted, and maybe I'm wrong, is saying I have these different personas, and I always think, well, I don't know which persona is going to land on this particular page, which for me is a huge problem in the sense that I think, well, I've designed it for that specific type of person, but somebody else is going to look at it and it isn't going to speak to them. I'm, I don't worry about two personas too much. Right. I, I think... You're generalizing people into a, a category, you know, a group, a cohort that you've also made up, hmm. right? Based, you know, hopefully based off research and things. But personally, I don't find that too helpful. Um, what I have done with some clients is we've we've taken specific interests and we've tailored hmm. content based off that. So um, I've, I've worked with a, a pillow brand, uh, ergonomic, like a orthopedic pillow. Um, for, for neck pain and 
one one thing we looked at was um, sports, and then we we said, well, sports players want to want to recover, um, you know, whether it's tennis, golf, cricket, you know, whatever, rugby, they want to recover. So one idea was, well, we can talk about uh, how the pillar helps with sports recovery, and then the next level from that would be talking specifically about rugby, golf, and trying out different um, different sports specifically, but. Obviously, the more granular you go with it, the less traffic you can drive to that specific page. And then it's a question of, you know, is this paying off? Right. So you can build the the perfect page for a pillow for a rugby player. How many people search for pillow for a rugby player to recover? Exactly. Like How how much time and effort are you putting into that page? Um, And also driving the traffic to that page. You know, if you're running Facebook ads you've got to generate an entire, like a campaign, an entire set of adverts with creative that targets rugby players to send them to a rugby page mm. to buy a pillow, which is all about rugby recovery. Um, and then also you've got to make sure that your your post-purchase setup also speaks to rugby players. So oh, I think right. there's a point at which, which you, you can go too granular and it's just, in, in my opinion, it's not really worth the effort. What I like to look at is, you know, what are the main reasons people don't buy and how do we how do we deal with that on the website? You know, it can be things like, I didn't know what your shipping policy was or your returns policy. That's really easy to fix. You just get the information on the page. But it could be things like, you know, if it's fashion, I don't know if this is going to fit me. Right? right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy it. Even if you have a free returns policy, I don't want to buy it because I don't want to have to receive it then find a way to return it if it doesn't fit and then wait for my money back. So, and from that perspective, is it really important for me as a, an e-commerce brand to make it incredibly easy for people to return? I use Toman and I keep citing them, but they send me musical instruments and amplifiers. I'm a musician okay. and I love it because they, they put this big thing at the top that says, if you want to return it within 30 days, that's no problem. Here's how you do it. And so I buy lots of stuff, but I keep returning it, and they seem happy. I mean, it, 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 it's going to depend on the customer, isn't it? Right? Some people can't be bothered. Right? Yeah. It takes takes me. I've I've got a post office a five minute walk away from me, and it still takes me about the the best part of a month to get things back. Especially yeah. with Amazon, I I was really really concerned that I had a couple of hundred quid's worth of stuff that I'd uh, I'd not returned quick enough, even though it's five minutes away. Because I have to find that 15 to 20 minutes, because obviously mm. five minutes there, five minutes back, plus doing it, let's say 20 minutes in a day to go and, and hand that stuff back. And it's got to be within the hours of the post office. Right. So it's even if a brand says free returns, no hassle on, on our end, we're not going to question it, you can return it, there is hassle. Yeah. And then And then having to wait for your money back as well. Right. And especially now when we're in, like cost of living crisis and things, people are going to be, people will want to make sure that they're making the right purchase and be confident they're making the right purchase before they purchase, before they complain. Right. And so the perfect website, let, let's talk about e-commerce and or even uh, B2B, I mean, which is what we're in as CaliCube, which is what hugely interests me, is that reassurance on the page. Is I mean, that's a huge part of the perfect website is when you're ready to, inquire or purchase making sure that i'm comfortable with the next step yeah so uh, there's there's three three things i focus on uh, with conversion so there's usability 
which is how does the website work, hmm. right? If I, I land on the website, I want to find out a specific piece of information. I want to find a certain product or a service. I want to buy it or submit an inquiry, whatever it is. How easily can I do that on your website? Um, or does it just put block blocker after blocker in front of me? The second piece is anxiety. So that is all the questions and concerns that I have about your products or services and also about your business. And you've got to answer both, right? So service-wise, it's, you know, is this the right service for me? Have other people used it? Are other people happy? Um, is this actually going to fix my needs? Right. right? Do it, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. You know, if it's products, uh, one that I always, an example I always use actually is food. Um, food's always a really important one because people mm. have allergies, right? So it's it's not just um, having certain information there. It's remembering to mention stuff that might not be there. Um, so nuts, right, example. Right? So if you've got pre, um, pre-prepared meals or whatever or meal kits, mm. if I've got a nut allergy and that website does not say whether or not it includes nuts – I cannot buy that product. Right. Yeah. It's not just, it, it's not, I'm not looking for a brand. I'm not looking for products which say this contains nuts. Okay, cool. I can't have that. If it doesn't say either way, I I can't make that purchase because I can't be sure. Right. Right. And then, so that has then to be addressed. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, sorry. Uh, I was just saying that that needs to be addressed. So it's so answer, then you end up in these a, questions. In your situation with your hundred percent perfect website, which is my new favorite phrase which doesn't make sense and i know it's never going to happen but then i think well i need to say everything you can't say everything because when you say everything you actually end up saying nothing no it's it's true i mean you've you've got to there's you've got to identify what are the important things right yeah so yeah. that's why okay, that's why brilliant. you do custom, customer research so if you're getting loads of people emailing in or or um or submitting feedback on the website saying you know, do your products contain nuts? Yeah. Or you might you might find through uh, through clarity, for example, loads of people are going to the FAQ section of your website and looking for the uh, allergens or dietary mm. requirement section. That tells you the information is not on the page where it should be. So you start answering those questions there. Oh, right, brilliant. Yeah, you, know, you might think, well, I also have to mention that, I don't know what an extreme example <laughs> in this would be. It's, doesn't contain what's that artificial sweetener um i think s um i don't know either it, it became it became really well known because do you remember uh, no something like that no. do you remember do you remember coke life i think it was called coke life it's the one where really? they put a green a green wow. rim around it okay and and the, um oh see ah, i can't remember anyway <laughs> that, that, that was the sweetener they used instead of sugar to reduce the amount of sugar in it. So, you know, I don't think you'd have to say, well, it's got, have, have to make a bold statement that it's got that in it. That just goes in the ingredients section, right? Hmm. But the important ones, the ones that are life-threatening, then right. <laughs> that, that's where people want to see it. Well, um, and then the next point, and that's a beautiful kind of segue, is we were talking earlier on about vocabulary, and neither of us can remember that word with an S. That's yeah. the sugar sweetener thingy. And with a website, do you need to avoid using extensive vocabulary because you your audience might not be 
uh, necessarily Anglophone to start with or whichever language you're using isn't their primary language. And secondly, vocabulary is a hugely complex topic that most people or a lot of people don't have a similar range of vocabulary. So you end up using a very limited vocabulary. I would say you need to talk. Uh, I know everyone says this classic marketing thing. You need to talk how your customers talk. Hmm. Right. So B2B, you might be able to be a bit more complicated with things because or complex because people know it. Right, if they know the acronyms, use the acronyms, it's fine. Um, but there was a website, and I wish I'd saved this. I'm, I'm quite bad at saving stuff to swipe files. There was a website someone showed me where all the ingredients were listed out in their kind of proper scientific ingredient format, and then each one had a bracket with it which said basically what we know it as. And there were so many things on that ingredient list that I went, Oh, okay. I know what that is. I'm fine with that. Mm. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But the scientific name, you've got no idea. Yeah. Right. So, so that was really interesting. But, but yeah, coming back to your point, I think if everyone knows the kind of scientific name for something, then use it. It's fine. Mm. And if people wouldn't normally use that word or wouldn't normally use a certain piece of vocabulary, keep it simple. Right. And and we have the problem because we use the term brand SERP which is a search engine and results page for the result for your personal name or your brand name, we constantly on every page have to say brand SERP in brackets, the result for your brand or personal name, because we don't know where people are coming from and they don't necessarily know what we're talking about when they land on that page. And I yeah. find myself repeating myself immensely all the time. I, I think there's there's got to be an element of you've got to explain it for the people who don't know this stuff but not in a way that will annoy the people who do know it right. but need but still need help. So if you if you putting it in brackets like that absolutely fine but then maybe if you went on a detailed explanation next of what a brand serp is you might find that you've got loads of people like yeah I know this come on let, mm. let's get to the point let's you know what can you do about it. Um and I was, I was talking to someone this morning I think about this sort of thing right and we were talking about whether oh, so I was doing a podcast intro call actually for my podcast, and I said, um, you know, you can explain things a little bit more, right? So I always I will always say I'm a CRO consultant or conversion rate optimization consultant or CRO oh, right. conversion rate optimization consultant. So I, I don't know if I did it on this one actually, but um, <laughs> yeah, I normally I would do CRO and then say conversion rate optimization. And I and I do it in a kind of natural way. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, for those of you who don't know, that's conversion rate optimization. Right. I just I just do it as if it's a, a one thing. Right. Um and we and I was saying, you know, the audience for the podcast, you know, they are senior marketers, senior e-commerce people. They they kind of know what they're talking about. And he made the valid point that, you know, a senior that senior marketer might be a creative marketer or might be mm. a uh, might have a lot of experience in email marketing or something and might not know some of the acronyms and things for CRO, for example. Yeah. So, you know, there might be senior people, they might be really experienced, but if they don't have that experience in that particular area, right? I mean, I've, I've done marketing for what, 12 years, mm -hmm. um, a little bit of everything uh, when, I, when I was in-house. And I, I would have to, 
for a moment be like, what's a brand SERP and just kind of work out what S what the SERP would be. You know, I've got, I've got an idea of what it would be. I've, you know, got that kind of direction for it, but yeah, I would have to work out what the actual letters mean individually. And that's a huge problem for us with our websites. I mean, that's the example of text. I mean, I say it all the time, so I kind of assume everybody knows and they don't. And I need to, A, subtly implement it. And I've seen that with news when uh, in, you read a, a newspaper or a, a media site and they remind you of what they're talking about, the context. So it's basically giving context. But then taking the big step back and saying, I don't need to give too much context. I can give a link to where more of that context exists. But also, I need to take the step back and understand that my audience doesn't approach this from my point of view. They approach from their point of view. And that's hugely difficult. And building a, a, a great website is something that most of us do very badly because we think about ourselves. Yeah, I think also on the, on the, probably on the B2B side more, oh, there's, probably an, there's probably an element of uh, expert positioning by not explaining it that much. It's almost like you're saying, well, of course, everyone would know what a brand SERP is. And I'm going, well, I don't know what a brand SERP is, but you're making it sound important, so maybe I should speak to you. Right. Oh, that's a neat trick. I, I don't know if that really works on B2C as much, because if I... Uh, yeah, with, with products and things, I don't think it works so well exactly. But yeah, with a service... If you're going to improve my brand, my brand SERPs, and I've got no idea what a brand SERP is apart from it's something to do with brand and SEO, mm. um, you're the expert, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw earlier on, I was using chat GPT like everybody else in the industry just for a laugh. And it kept coming up with brand SEO as opposed to brand SERP or branding on Google or your brand narrative on Google because it, 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 it has interpreted the web as talking about brand SEO and it widens it out immediately and that that kind of um, incredible specificity that we're trying to get which is brand SERPs knowledge panels is simply not available I don't know why I'm talking about that it was something I was doing this morning and thinking I can't use chat GPT because it generalizes too much yeah just which is completely off topic. I mean, in, in terms of yeah. building the perfect website, do not use ChatGPT because it's going to create exactly the same website as a competitor, maybe. Uh, well, it, I guess it takes an aggregate of what's on the web. On, on the web. So it, it, it can't know what's good and what's bad. Right. So brilliant. it takes it all in and then says, here's a suggestion for what I think for what it's understood as, right? Yeah. I mean, I kept looking at the output and I just found it really boring. Um, and I think maybe that's the key is it is boring because it's taking an aggregate, but we're completely off topic. Um, I would like to come back to topic just to end up with, and it is what we're talking about, which is brand SERPs and the website. And every guest has the choice of answering one or both of these questions. Number one is how does your perfect website help with branded search? And question two is how does branded search tie in with your perfect website? Either both. Off you go, Will. Interesting. Um, okay. So what's what's important is that your website speaks to the, the, the person who's landed on it. And if you know where that person's landing on it, you can tailor that, tailor that experience. So if I do a search um, for a brand or for a, a, maybe a brand's product, 
if you've done, I guess if you've done your work right on the SEO side, or even the, the it could be the, I guess the paid, um, the paid ad side, you could tailor that experience to me knowing that I'm familiar with your brand hmm, brilliant. and and the education that I need on that page is going to be different. And then this is going to get quite, quite granular because it depends on what the search is, I suppose. Um, Cause there's always, you know, in the, on the beta, beta C side, we talk about um, informational and transactional search terms, which can still apply to a brand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, what have I bought? I, I got a Ninja um, food processor recently because I like to cook. Um, so one of my searches could be how, like, how does the Ninja food processor work, or what options does the Ninja food processor ha- um, have? Right, and that should be a different search result to uh, buy Ninja food processor. Mm-hmm. Right, so right. You've, you've got, you know, and I obviously know the brand. I mean, this is something I would test, obviously. This is just a theory. But arguably, if I search for buy Ninja food processor, you could put a much lower focus on social proof hmm. because I know the brand. For some reason, I've decided that's the food processor I want. Um, that's a theory. I mean, it it could be me saying I've heard of Ninja, so I'll just do a search. Um but yeah, but, I mean, but the, 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 the fact that you've you've heard of a brand and you're searching for it implies some kind of social proof, some kind of uh, knowledge of the brand, and you can then think, well, I don't need to explain the brand so much. I don't need to explain why you should buy from us rather than somebody else. We already have a certain element of social proof. Um, I mean, I like branded search from the point of view is it's almost certainly mid to bottom of funnel. And you're immediately talking to somebody who has a good idea of who you are. Anyway, that, that's absolutely lovely. And if you've got the, the perfect website and that perfect website for branded search is actually saying, here is the reason that you should now conclude the transaction with us as opposed to why you should start thinking about working with us. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it, isn't it? It's, Brilliant. It's your, especially, yeah, from a B2B side, it's you're familiar with us, you're familiar with what we do. Let's book a call. As opposed right, to a yeah, non branded so, search, which would be yeah. here's the info. Excuse me, sorry, I, I, I keep interrupting, but I, I get caught out because I always think B2B because that's what we do. And I really need to get more guests on board talking about B2C and thinking about B2C. Uh, because although I don't do it, it is actually incredibly important for most people who are doing online marketing. So thank you so much, Will. Next week we've got Gert Medak. Conversion-driven SEO for consistent results. He's going to be absolutely awesome. I've been on his show, and he's brilliant. And I really wanted him to come on Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard because I liked what he was talking about so very much. Could you pass the virtual baton, Will? Absolutely. Well, I'm all about conversion, so conversion-focused SEO sounds like it it should be a a good conversation. And uh, I think I might have to try and get him on my podcast as well. So, uh, yeah, enjoy. Brilliant. I I thoroughly recommend Gert. He's delightful. Thank you so much, Will. I'm going to sing the outro song. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Will. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Thank you so much. Cali Cube. It's all about your brand, Serp.